0: to the Middle-Aged Metal cast. I'm your middle-aged metalhead, Peter. And today, we're going to finish up the top albums of 2022 for me with a discussion of the post-metal albums. Now, it's interesting, but to me, over the years, I have discovered that post-metal... Is probably my very favorite metal subgenre. That makes it a little tricky because when people ask me what's post metal, I have a difficult time defining it. It's one of those things that I know it when I hear it, but articulating that and explaining to someone exactly what that means is fairly difficult. Now, I have really got into post-metal in the kind of early 2000s, mid-2000 uh, era, when I finally buckled down and embraced Neurosis. Their 2007 release, Given to the Rising, was the time I finally said, okay, it's time to get into these guys. I'd always been a little intimidated by the depth of their catalog. And so many of their albums are fairly dense, they're long, that it really, it just seemed daunting to try and go back and get into that. However, they released a new album, and I decided it was time. Since then, my love of post-metal has been... Uh, increasing and getting deeper and deeper. Some of my very favorite bands are going to fall into that post-metal category. And so while death metal may have dominated my top albums, in terms of the number of albums, in terms of the amount of time listened, the post-metal albums take the cake. So let's start right off. The first album that I've put in this category is the album Unison Life by Brutus. sort of snuck onto this list. I had added their previous album to my music library a few years ago when it first came out, but for reasons. I had never really spent time with it, had never really made an effort to get into it. So fast forward to 2022, and Unison Life just really struck a chord with me. I'm putting Brutus into the post-metal category because well, I think it really belongs here. There may be a bit more post-hardcore rather than full-on post-metal, but a lot of the elements are there. The emotion, the atmosphere, the dynamics. So many of the things that make post-metal click for me are found here on this album. The music is great. The vocals carry a ton of emotional weight. There are passages on this that just Hair at you and stir a very powerful and almost visceral response. And for me, that's a huge part of why I love music so much. It has this ability to make me feel. When I fell for this album, I fell hard, and it became about the only thing I listened to for the space of at least a couple of weeks. With how much music is constantly being released, this really says something about the quality of this album and its ability to grab me and get a hold. Still, it's one of the albums that I find myself going back to on a regular basis. And given just how heavy a lot of the music I loved this year is, this definitely held onto this spot in the upper echelon due more to the emotional weight of the music, if not because it's actually that heavy. All in all, Unison Life really cemented Brutus as a band. I'm going to be more active in keeping my eye on going forward. Well, the second album on this list is Final Light by the band Final Light, I guess. It's kind of funny. Most of the stuff lists it as Final Light, but a lot of it will actually list it separately as Perturbator and Johannes Pearson and Final Light. That's the way it gets listed in Apple Music. Final Light is not an album I would have expected. But as soon as I was aware of its existence, I predicted it would make the list. Cult of Luna, as we will discuss, is one of my very favorite bands, probably top five of all time. They do so much that just strikes all the right notes with me. Also, admittedly, I have a secret fascination with lots of different types of electronic music, But again, I find getting into it very overwhelming. The name Perturbator though, was one I was familiar with for his dark wave work and had heard at least a few tracks over the years. Well, so here we have this melding of these two styles and these two minds. Johannes Persson with vocal duty and some guitars and Perturbator handling the electronic stuff. It sounds like it might not work, but holy hell, does it ever. It works, and it works marvelously. The songs are dark and have a sense of mystery. They're atmospheric and yet still manage to be heavy, if not in the weight of the guitars themselves, but in the oppressive atmosphere that the combination of all of these elements come together to create. These are the types of collaborations that are exciting to me. They manage to pull the people involved in different directions that perhaps they wouldn't always be pulled in. And here, it has excellent results. Vinylite is a magnificent record. I would love to see more from this collaboration in the future. But only if both members feel as as inspired as it seems they felt with this release. Definitely, this is one of my very top albums for this year. Well, if that's how good it is at only album number two, where do we go from here? Well, I tell you what. We're continuing to go up because these albums just get better and better. Number three on our list is the album The Rift from the band Glossin'. Wilson crawled from the murk and mire and into my music library in 2017 with their previous full-length release, Grimen. It took elements of Cultaluna, Neurosis, and the now-defunct Isis. That's the band. Don't get confused. It's it's not what you'd think it is. I mean, hell, that's why they quit the band. But it took those things and it made them, well, really grimy. This was post-metal that was soaked in its sludginess. It felt dark, dirty, sweaty, and somehow both claustrophobic and expansive. So, yeah, I was super excited when they announced the rift. Excited enough to pre-order. And then the album dropped. I was pretty fresh off the release of one of the albums we're still going to talk about, The Long Road North. So that had really started to tickle my post-metal fancies. But, well... The rift stomped right the fuck in and said, here, watch this. What happened was a monster of an album, full of those post-dynamics, but dark, heavy AF, brooding, crushing, and eerie enough to be off-putting. Take Cerberus 4, my favorite track. It alternates between heavy and atmospheric for the first two-thirds of its 13 minutes. Then it reaches this bridge that introduces this light, almost fanciful keyboard motif. As they layer in the other instruments, that motif, without changing, goes from fanciful to dreadful. It is an absolute triumph of a song and a perfect example of why Gloson is quickly entering those rarefied ranks of my other post-metal favorites. But seriously guys, set aside 13 minutes, get your ass to a nice chair, Crank up Cerverus 4 on some good speakers or headphones. Song of the year. Well, number four is the album Folium Limina by the band The Otolith. So I think I've mentioned before that Angry Metal Guy is my go-to music blog. They have, I think, very excellent reviewers who aren't afraid to be brutally honest. Do I always agree with them? Hell no. Some albums they've given scores as low as a 2.5 out of 5 have gone on to be albums that I absolutely freaking love. But their writers keep my interest and expose me to things I can check out and form my own opinions on. While browsing the comments section a few months back, someone happened to lament the loss of the Salt Lake band Sub Rosa. I hadn't thought of Sub Rosa in a few years, despite having listened to them in the past. I was not aware at the time that the band had called it quits and was no more. Fast forward to only a short time later, and bam, here was a review of the Otolith's debut, Folium Limina. And just like that, most of Sub Rosa was back rising from those ashes. The odolith brings us a form of what I refer to as post-doom. The heart of the music is definitely doom, but with the addition of the strings and the emotive vocals, I find it to have at least one foot firmly planted in the post-metal camp. So take two of my favorite genres and combine them. I am all the way on board. Again, this is music that moves, That invokes feelings and emotions. It builds to a climax. It allows itself to crash. There is power here, but also a surprising amount of restraint. Those dynamics are what makes me love this type of music so much. This is simply astoundingly good debut from a band of seasoned post-Doom players. And of all the albums that were released in 2022, this is the album that most excites me by its just very existence. I am so happy to have been introduced to this band. We're getting to really what I consider probably my top two albums of the year. At number five, we have The Long Road North by Cult of Luna. Cult of Luna is one of those bands that I hold near and dear to my heart. It was after I finally jumped in and discovered Neurosis, after their 2007 release, Given to the Rising, that I began to take notice of people discussing the big three of post-metal. It started with Neurosis, then moved to Isis, then was rounded out by Cult of Luna. Digging into the oeuvre of these three bands literally changed how I thought about heavy music, and honestly, music in general. And while Cult of Luna is perhaps the youngest of the three, they're actually the only ones who are still active today. I'll also admit that I have a deep love of this band by association. Cult of Luna was my very last concert before the world shut down for COVID. I saw them in Salt Lake on March 7th, 2020. And then, well, we all know what happened. They were everything I hoped for live. It was an experience of sight and sound, of power and peace, of emotion and pure energy. I enjoyed their 2020 EP The Raging River but felt like a bit of a leftover of ideas from their previous release Adon to Fear. So when they first announced The Long Road North to be released in early 2022, I was a little worried that there hadn't been enough time between records to really have new strong material. I love Adon to Fear, but I wanted more than part 2. And while one could look at the over two years since A Dawn to Fear and think that that was plenty of time, things are a little different when a band is releasing a 30 to 40 minute collection of short, punchy songs versus a 70 minute collection of songs, many of which are near or over the 10 minute mark. Still, of course, I pre-ordered the vinyl and waited. And then the vinyl came. In fact, it came a few days early. I got it about three days before official release and was fortunate to have the perfect night to listen to it. I sat in my armchair, positioned equidistant from my speakers, and put the vinyl on. Loud. I was transported. The sonic landscape immediately evoked the cold lands of the north, unending snow and ice, wind and blasting chill. But mixed so expertly in there with that bleakness was the beauty of a full moon on fresh snow the pure white of a land covered in new winter, the coruscating colors of the aurora shining in the sky. It's difficult to pick out the best Cult of Luna album, if we factor out their collaboration with Julie Christmas, because, well, Mariner is a fucking masterpiece. But I wouldn't argue with anyone who said that The Long Road North was their favorite Cult of Luna album. It is an absolute complete triumph from these Swedes, they haven't had a real misstep yet, at least in terms of their full albums. And this continues that amazing streak. There are few bands that are this consistently amazing. Well, our final record, and what really turned out to be my top record of 2022, and the album that I easily listen to the most, is the album Gnosis by Russian Circles. Russian Circles has been on my radar since their first album, Enter. I'm fairly certain that my younger sibling was the one who introduced me to them, and I have been a fan ever since. Some of their albums hit a little harder and more immediately than others. But every album is a journey through post-metal instrumental goodness. While I still really enjoy it, something about their 2019 release, Blood Year, didn't grab me quite the same way some of their other albums have. Still, having had the chance to see them live at Crucial Fest in 2018, this helped cement them into the top tier of bands that I listened to. Russian Circles plays with intangibles, as do most of these post-metal bands I've brought up. I can discuss how I love their dynamics, those crescendos and denouements that are part and parcel of this type of music. Take the title track Gnosis as a perfect example. It begins as one of the most mellow, atmospheric, and low-key tracks on the album. Yet by the end, it may very well be the heaviest and most crushing track found here. And I can describe that and talk about how it builds and slowly layers in more and more instrumentation and distortion. But there is this ineffable quality to their music that transcends the objective facts I can discuss. It transports me. It elevates me. It enriches me. That is what Gnosis did more than any other album this year. Gnosis transported me. Do I think that there are other albums that are better this year? Probably. But did any album connect with me this year nearly as much as Gnosis? Not a chance. Some came very close, in particular on this here list, but no album that I listened to in 2022 grabbed my attention and refused to let go in the way this album did. And it still does. Once I start listening to Gnosis, I am in it all the way for the long haul. Well, there you have it. My top 25 albums from 2022, culminating in these six absolutely stellar examples of post-metal. If you're not familiar with any of these bands, go and check them out. Their songs can be long. They can seem a little impenetrable at first, but they absolutely reward the listener in spades. So until next time, Find some good music and let it transport you.